Last week, I began a series on the parables of Jesus from Matthew chapter 13, looking at what Jesus says is the kingdom of God. Last week, we looked at the parable of the soils, and just to remind you, the the parable of the soils is meant to cause us to contemplate what are we doing with Jesus? You know, are we the, what kind of soil are we for the word of God that's being planted in our lives in the kingdom? And so reminded us of the types of soil that are there and, and that we want to be that good soil that produces um, just multiplied uh, fold harvest in. The, the, the focus of that first parable, and I think it's important that the way the parables in chapter 13 are arranged, is all about human responsibility. It's all about our part, how we will treat the word of God, how we'll, will we seek to understand more fully. And I, I told you a little bit about parables, and, um, and one of the things I said is the very thing Jesus says here in the middle of our passage today is that, is that the parables are, are meant to invoke um, a response in people, and they're supposed to seek to understand more fully, to move closer to Jesus. And obviously, many don't. Many just sort of like, hmm, that's a weird saying, or that's a weird story, Jesus, and, and walk away. And, and Jesus talks about them being like the, the path where the enemy comes and steals the seed away. And then we talked about the thorny, and we talked about the rocky soil, and of course, the good soil. That's important to keep in mind as we take a look now at this parable of the weeds. Um, I feel much more qualified to talk about weeds. I think I have more weeds in my yard than I have actual living grass. But I found that if you cut it often enough, it, it, it can pass as grass and, and your neighbors don't look down at you. So um, I'm much more comfortable this week because I'm not a very good gardener, but I'm pretty good at weeds. And so the, the parable of the weeds today is before us. Um, and I, I want to look with you at that as well. Jesus, of course, gives us the answer key once again. The disciples go into the house. They are demonstrating those who are to, to hear the parable and to seek to greater understanding, which is what we're doing here this, these weeks. We're seeking greater understanding. And so the disciples get the breakdown of who's who and what's what. And just to remind you, a parable is not, it's not meant to be like everything in the parable is not meaning something else, right? It's, 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 it's not meant to be an allegory. It's, it is a, it's, a, it's an extended metaphor. It's a, it's a story about one thing that helps us understand something else. And of course, farming and pro, pro, you know, produce and wheat fields were something that an agrarian society they would have been quite familiar with. They would have also been very familiar with this type of weed that imitates uh, wheat. I encountered a snake a couple of weeks ago who, in, who, who, who imitated a water moccasin very effectively. I, I hated that thing until my neighbor pointed out that it wasn't a moccasin. But sometimes things, uh, they imitate other things. You imitate a water moccasin because people leave you alone. Um, the, the weeds imitate the, the wheat because they aren't pulled up and destroyed. They can spread their seed. And there was an ancient, in the ancient world, there was a type of, of, of false, you know, uh, imitation wheat plant. And it was actually called Darnell, which is, it sounds like a very hillbilly name, if you will, right? And I'm, a, I'm from hillbilly roots, so I can say that. Um, kind of a redneck name, Darnell. Doesn't that just sound like a, like a weed, Darnell? 
And honestly, that's what I read. It's it called Darnell, and it, it was poisonous, and it resembled the wheat plant. And until it sprung up and you saw that there was no head of wheat on it, no, no, no fruit, you couldn't distinguish it from the two. And so this is something that was uncommon, but did happen in the ancient world that, that sometimes you got this Darnell plant in among your, um, your wheat plants. And if it was just a few, it was no big deal. But this is an extreme example, which oftentimes Jesus, for reason of the parable, makes it an extreme example. Here the entire field, however many acres have been planted in wheat, have gotten this Darnell plant thrown in there as well. And now as the harvest is beginning, the very first fruits of the harvest of the wheat, the, the, the workers, those who work for the master, are able to determine that, that in fact somebody has sown Darnell among the wheat. I just love that, Darnell, you know. And, and here, and, and so they come to, to the master and they say, what do you want us to do? You want us to go throughout the whole field and, and pull it up? And he says, no, don't, don't do that. If you, if you pull up the weeds, you'll also disturb the wheat. And that's, that's key for God's implication for us this morning. You see, there, there, in our world, there is, um, there's evil. There's wickedness. There's lawlessness, and here when those words are used in the parable, it's referring to those who perpetrate lawlessness and perpetrate evil and wickedness. And, and I imagine as you think, you probably have images or people or situations that you see as wicked and evil, and sadly we're, we're at a time where we see that increasingly more because we're so inundated by, by social media and by news and by information and so that fills in. And so, you know, we're over and over again overwhelmed with the state of the world. And, and to look with human eyes is to wonder if how, how God's doing. You know, how is the Lord doing in terms of bringing his kingdom? Because it can look pretty sad at times. The presence of evil is there. Those who reject Jesus, those who openly reject his kingdom, those who would We'll watch the 714 service that we did last Tuesday, bringing unity to the body of Christ, and, and see that as a wicked and evil thing, not as a good thing. And, and we're sort of like mind blown. How, how can that be that people can't understand what, what's the, what the Lord is doing and see that? And, and how, how is it that if, if God is all powerful and he sent his son Christ to be the king of the world, how is it that there can be so much disarray and, and, and destruction and evil and wickedness and rebellion against God's kingdom. And Jesus tells this parable on the heels of the parable of the soil to say, yes, there's a, it's about human responsibility, but to also remind us that there is an evil one. There is an enemy of God who is like the, the good master of the land sowing, who sows good seed. This evil one, this enemy, the devil he's called in this parable, is sowing bad seed in the hearts and lives of men and women. It's the old, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? It's the, why does God allow evil in the world question that we, we never avoid. And yet, here's Jesus, as he talks about the kingdom in Matthew 13, he is addressing the presence of evil and what we're to do about it. Years ago, I had an uh, older pastor who, who um, heard me speaking out uh, back when we were trying to make theological heads and tails of, 
of our, our situation denominationally. And, and he sent me, I, I believe it was long ago that he was on a cassette. It might have been a CD, but I feel like it was a cassette, which is crazy. It's only like 20 years ago, a little behind the times. But he's, listen to this sermon. And basically, it, it, was, it was his own sermon. It, you know, I love it when people give you their sermon, right? I hope I haven't ever done that to you guys. You know, they hand you their sermon. Just, just listen to this, you know. And, and he was basically an interpretation of this, uh, this parable of the weeds, and he applied it to the church. And, he's, and he was basically making the argument that you can't have a pure church, which is true. We know that. We talked about that last week. But, but that, that we should just live in the messiness of it and, and, and take no theological stands and stuff. Well, the problem with that is that Jesus identifies in the second part of the verses, he says that, that the, the field is not the church, the field is the world. There was no nominal Christian. There was no cultural Christianity uh, at the time of Matthew writing and pulling together Jesus' parables. And so it makes no sense. And, and, and Jesus says it's the world. It's not about the church. But he, but he does want us to be aware that this is going on. But the Lord is not overwhelmed by it. It is part of what he is doing. It's what he's working out in the advancement of his kingdom. Let me remind you, the kingdom of God is about God power his reign coming in the lives of men and women. God is already king of the whole creation. He made it. It's his kingdom. But of course there's this usurper, usurper I can't say that word. Usurper, thank you. Usurper who is, who's come in, the, the devil, and he's trying to, to, to counter the work of, of God who's the king of the world. But, but Christ, the, the son of God, has been brought into the world to, to bring the kingdom about. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom coming, it's about, it's about coming in the lives of men and women. It's about Jesus becoming Lord of the lives of people, then bowing to him, following him as master, coming under, under his um, leadership. It's also, it also, the kingdom always looks like Jesus so I, I, I cautioned us about things that we sometimes think are the kingdom, but that are just not made and done in love, and, and that's not of the kingdom. So that's what the kingdom is like. And, and Jesus is saying the kingdom is coming. He's coming in the lives of men and women all over the world, but you're not going to see the end of evil and wickedness yet. But Jesus says, John sixteen thirty three. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be not afraid, for I have overcome the world and all that is in it. So how does Jesus want us to apply this parable this morning? Well, just a few thoughts here. Um, the first thing I think is to, is to, is to notice that um, I do think that, that, that slightly misguided older priest was right in the fact that um, we can be overly hypercritical of who we think are the, the tares, to, to use the old King James Version, uh, who are the weeds and who are the, who are the wheat. When I first came to St. Michael's Episcopal Church, um, there was some really hurt people. And uh, I, I kind of began to, you know, and it's easy to go, oh, that's a wolf, which is another way to talk about, same, different metaphor to talk about the, 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 the weeds in a congregation and and I realized that, you know what, sometimes when you get bit, it's not because it's a wolf, it's, a, it's because it's a wounded sheep. Beat up, sheep, bite, <laughs> sometimes. 
and uh, and it's you. We need to be careful not to not you know. And it's easy to do. New pastor, you come in and you go, oh, that's definitely a wolf. I need to drive that person out. In fact, no, it's just a really beat up, bruised sheep that's not used to being cared for by a good shepherd. So be careful what people you say. Oh, there, that's the wheat. And that's the weed, you know. Oh, there's a weed over there, you know. Be careful about that. I think the Lord, I think that's the very point that Jesus wants us to, to know is that, that we're not to be preoccupied with trying to identify the weeds. What is it that the, the master says to his servants? Don't pull up the weeds because you're going to disturb the wheat. So be cautious about that. So if your mind is already running to who the weeds are, hold back, hold back. But here are some things that I think we should think about. Jesus makes it clear in this parable that ultimately he will judge between the wheat and the weeds. That he will bring, there will come a time when true justice is enacted and completed and, you know, there will be an end. All things that are hidden now that are, mixed up and twisted up will be separated and we will know true justice. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, the psalmist is going on about, about the wicked people that he sees and he talks about how he sees them prospering and living at ease and it infuriates him because he thinks as if it, there's never an end. But then the psalmist goes on in verse 16 and 17. He says, and then the Lord showed me the end of them. And then I was able to see what's coming for those. And the psalmist has put at ease because even the most hideous injustices, the most hidden, the most destructive things it's only for a season the Lord will bring ultimate justice. And that's how Jesus ends the parable, isn't it? He talks about the fiery furnace and, and the wheat and the weeds being separated out and who people are and what their motives are and what they've done. It will be judged in, in righteousness. You cannot, you cannot separate righteousness from justice. They go together and it's clear that it's an implication of the gospel. In the end, the Lord will judge. But sometimes that doesn't make us feel real good, right? It's particularly if we feel as if we're still years away from, from dying and facing the Lord, you know, we, we kind of go, well, can you give me a win, an intermediate win, Lord? You know, it's like, it's like if your football team, you think one day, they're, they're, eventually they're going to win a championship, right? A one day. But, but Lord, in my lifetime, come on, something a little more, 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 um, more in the present, you know. So, well, what, what else is the Lord saying about these, this parable? Well, I think he also, he talks about the, the weeds, the evil, um, the wickedness being intertwined with the weeds, with the, with the wheat, with the righteousness. And in the parable, the reason they don't pull up the weeds is because it'll disrupt, destroy the, the root system of the wheat. It will ruin the harvest. And when I, when, I, when I spend some time meditating on that, I realize that this is part of what the Lord is, is doing, the complexity of the, the Lord's plan that we can't always see is that, is that in some ways for the Lord to prematurely judge the weeds 
would be to jeopardize the fruit of the wheat. And I think part of that has to do with, with the perseverance that we'll talk about next week and, and hope that was discussed in the readings that we've just done, that Scott read. Paul says that the whole creation, and he's talking about us as people, we've been subjected to futility for a reason that God might free us from futility. futility. There is some sense in which the, the struggle and the persistence of evil and wickedness has a purpose for God and to, to remove it completely would be to, to hinder the fruit that he wants to produce in our lives, if you follow me. That's a hard concept to understand. But that he's actually using all things, right? Paul says that, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The person in your office, the person in your life, the family member, the board director, whoever it is that is causing you the most grief and you know they don't have righteous motives, but the Lord is able to use that and to, to shortchange the system and to judge prematurely that weed and pull it out would do damage to the spiritual growth and the kingdom work that God wants to do in your life. They unknowingly become instruments of the kingdom. Judas, great example, right? Judas, wicked. He, he, he rejects Jesus and he turns him over to the authorities and yet it is through Judas's rejection and, and, and turning away from Jesus and turning him over that Jesus then is able to fulfill the Lord, the Father's will, which is to go to the cross and suffer for the sins of humanity. I also think that we need to remember in this dichotomy, it's easy to think weeds and wheat and think, well, everybody's either a weed or a wheat. And ultimately, you either accept Jesus or you reject him. But there are many of us who are in process. And there are some who are wicked who will repent. Think about your great novel trilogies. And here I'm not talking about, you know, I'm, th- I'm talking about Star Wars, right? Or, or Lord of the Rings. Some of the characters who start off evil change sides. And, and God is always looking for those who are his enemies to come home and be made friends. And so the Lord is working in this. So number one, remember the ultimate justice. Number two, remember that the Lord has a purposefulness in this and it is for the working out of his kingdom in our lives that he doesn't prematurely pull those weeds. He leaves them and he uses them. And then thirdly, take heart in the fact that in no way does the, in the parable is the wheat affected by the presence of the darnel, of the, of the weeds. Do you notice that? Now this is where, remember parables, they serve a purpose. They don't necessarily follow every point. I know we talked about a parable of the soils and weeds that choke out the life of the plant. That's a different, little bit of a different parable that Jesus is using. But here he is saying that there's nothing that's going on with these weeds that ultimately will affect, if, if left alone, that will affect the harvest of the wheat. And I think that is so important. 
and I, I don't want to leave you with an idea that this somehow that, um, that you have to just endure this evil and this wickedness and that we're, we're, you know, and that it potentially can overwhelm us because the Lord has said, in the end, the wheat will be harvested. The kingdom work that's being done in your lives will not be affected by, by those weeds and their presence. Jody and I had an experience a few days ago where we, we were rocking along and we were having an amazing time and then all of a sudden we both felt this, this sense of just oppression of the enemy come over us and it was just heavy and we both felt it and it, was, it came out of nowhere and we were just like, what is going on? It was like we just got, both got hit in the stomach, you know, really hard and um, it felt depressive, it felt oppressive mostly. And Jody said, I think he just, we kind of sat in it for about an hour or so. And, and then Jody said, I think you need to pray for us. Then we prayed and it lifted. In the midst of the, yeah, yeah, is there an enemy of God? Is he at work? Is he, is he sowing seeds of wickedness? Yes. Do we see evidence of it in the world? Of course. But we as sons and daughters of the kingdom can take authority in our lives over the, the evil one and the oppressed one. Will he be at work? Yes. Does he have authority to ruin our lives? No. Can we speak against him in Jesus' name? Yes, we can. We can take authority. And it lifted. And we had a great day the rest of the day. It was this, this weird attack of the evil one, and yet he flees the name of Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't realize that and we don't take authority in Jesus' name over the evil one. We don't recognize he's working and we don't rebuke him. And I think that's something we need to all grow in. So three things to take away. I remind you that, you know, I've mentioned Judas before. Judas is only named once in the New Testament after he commits suicide and that's when the disciples are deciding who to replace him with. But I love the fact that the disciples don't keep harpening back to, and then there was one of our own, Judas, who was a betrayer of Jesus. You know, they don't keep, they don't keep lamenting it. I don't know about you, but I've been betrayed pretty closely by, by somebody really close to me, and it hurts, and it's hard to forgive. But here's the disciples who see that what the Lord is doing to building his kingdom is not gonna be thwarted by Judas, and so he's never mentioned again. In the creed, it says he was betrayed, but it doesn't, doesn't tell us who the betrayer is. It just says he was betrayed, but yet the kingdom came. The seeds of the evil one were sown, but they didn't have ultimate victory over the sons and daughters of righteousness. Now, on 714, July 14th, we did this amazing service of unity. Libby was there and Maria Siabra was there and Gustavo was there to, to help with the ushering and David and Bella were there and we, we had this amazing service of unity and worship. 20 churches participating and I don't know, I mean, in terms of the program and oh gosh, 100 churches maybe represented in terms of people being present in the swamp worshiping the Lord. Yes, I worship God in the swamp. I'm as shocked as you guys are. 
But we did. We worshiped the Lord. And, you know, there was a sense within me that, that, that was saying, Lord, are, are all of these pastors, because a lot of them at some point was like, this person needs to be there, this person needs to be there. And, and I started going, I don't know this guy. I don't know this woman. I, I can't see their heart. I, I have no idea whether or not they're, they're, they're true. Lord, in other words, I was asking the question, Lord, is that weed or is that weed? And the Lord has said, trust me. It's 20 pastors coming together to plan something for 100 pastors to bring our congregations into unity and to stand up for racial justice and to ask for repentance and to cry out for reconciliation in the body of Christ is a kingdom thing. And whatever little bit of weeds gets thrown in there is insignificant. Because Jesus will build his kingdom. Ultimately, he will judge. He's using those weeds unbeknowingly to bring about the fullness of the kingdom in the lives of his, those who've bowed the knee to him. And the kingdom of darkness cannot overcome the kingdom of light and what he's doing. I love the way, and this is my last thing, I love the way Jesus ends it by saying, and when he's removed all the causes of sin, he's talking about people there, and wickedness, then they will shine like the sun. Well, who else shine like the sun? Jesus and his transfiguration. Is wickedness present? Yes. I know I said that was the last thing. This is the last thing. Wickedness present? Yes. Can darkness overcome the kingdom of light? No. Continue to walk in him, trusting in him and the work that he's doing as he builds the kingdom within you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.